The following audio is from Crossroads Church, a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, centered around building genuine community through authentic faith. More info can be found at lincolncrossroads.com. Well, hey, we're going to continue talking about this, this mission statement of ours here at Crossroads that Crossroads Church, we exist, why we're here is to become and build fully committed followers of Jesus. Sounds like a good idea, right? Whoa, whoa, whoa. We are all about becoming and building fully committed followers of Jesus, right? Yeah, Yeah, there we go, there we go, all right. It was, it was loud, a short little spurt, but I'll give it to you, all right? Still waking up. Hey, um, last week we talked a little bit about what this following Jesus thing is all about. Today I want to look at that kind of that middle statement uh, there, the middle phrase in this statement. Fully committed. Anybody else ever, ever look around just society right now, just look around in the world today and, and kind of, mind goes to, wow, nobody's committed to anything these days, <laughs> right? You look around, you're like, oh, it just feels like everywhere I turn that I'm being let down, I'm being disappointed, like, man, I'm committed, but it seems like nobody around me is committed. Like, I, 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 I try to give here, but I get nothing back, and like, you ever, ever feel that way? I, I, I've, I've been there before. I, I want to I want to pose an idea. Now, don't get me wrong. See, see what happens oftentimes is we look around we're like, look, nobody's, nobody's committed, nobody's doing, no, nobody's there. No, ah. And then we see one person, they're like, yeah, look at that guy. They, they just sit around in their basement playing video games all day. That's what's wrong with society today. Okay, here's the thing. One, I don't think that's what's wrong with society today. Two, I think those are two separate issues. I do think there are some people who are just lazy and uncommitted. If that's you, hey, commit yourself to something valuable. It'll be good for you, all right? But I think most of us, the issue is not that we're not committed. The issue might be that we're overcommitted. Right, I, I, I think about, not, not, let me just not look at society, but look at me. I wanna look at myself, right? I, I've got a variety of areas of my life that I'm committed in. Right? I'm committed to my, my relationship with my wife, to my marriage. And I'm fully committed there. And I'm, relate, I'm committed to, my, my, to being a good dad to my, to my, to my daughters. Like I'm committed there. I'm, I'm committed to being a good pastor and, and a good employee to Crossroads Church and a good leader in, in a variety of other ways. I'm committed to be a good friend. Right? We'll just stop there, but we could just keep on going, right? All of those things are good commitments. And, and all those things are really good, but the thing is, it doesn't stop there. Like, like I, I commit myself to, to excellence in these areas of my life. I commit myself to maybe some hobbies and this type of thing. I commit myself to my, this, these disciplines that I want to establish. I commit myself to all these different things. And, and what happens so often is, is, is in, my, in my efforts to be committed in all the right places, trying to figure out what is all the right things to commit myself to, and then give myself completely and fully to, I find myself feeling like I'm just like spinning plates. You know what I mean? 
Like, like I'm committed over here and 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 this person needs something and, and yeah, I'm going to do that, but I'm over, I'm over here and they're going, and then I'm, whoops, I dropped that ball and that now I come attend this and then I, anybody? And guess what? There's somebody on the other side of that going, look at him, he's so uncommitted. That's what's wrong with society today. I don't think it's an issue of us not being committed. I think it's us being an issue of being overcommitted. Sure, it's a little both, but I think that's a, one of the big deals. And here's the problem. You can't be fully committed to anything if you're partially committed to everything. Right? I mean, that's just the limitations on the human existence. You can't be fully committed to everything if you're not, or, or if you're partially committed to everything. Here's another way to say it, you can't be fully committed to anything if you verbally commit to everything. Anybody, anybody a sucker for saying yes to everyone that's in front of you? Oh, I've, I've had to work through some issues in my life from that, that stem from that very thing. And it's not that I'm being a liar, it's that I want to be able to commit and I'm unwilling to look at the, my own limitations on my life. I'm unwilling to recognize the fact that I can only give so much. And so I find myself just divided, going, ah, I'm not doing anything well. Why? Because I'm so committed. Mm, other people might see it different. So I, I want to I look at this. I want to explore this a little bit because here's what, here's what tends to happen. Well, um, before that. I, here's the deal. I want to build my life around things that are going to allow me to sustain for the long haul, right? Any, anybody else with me there? I want, I want to commit myself to the things that are going to enable me to make it past the end of the day or the end of the week or the end of the month or the end of the fiscal year or whatever you're measuring by. I want, I, I, I want to be able to commit. And so here's what happens, and, and here's where we tend to get frustrated. I'm, I'm going to guess I'm not the only one. All right, I know that in my marriage, that, that Beth and I, the way God has, has worked it out in, the, in, in a perfect scenario that we're both finding the life of Christ and we're both full, I can pull out, pour out completely in my commitment to my wife. I can give her everything I got because I know I'm going to give get everything she's got. That's how it's supposed to work. And it works. And, and when it does, it's beautiful. But sometimes I go through some stuff or I'm in a season where I don't have much to give and she's still called by God to give everything for me, but she's not getting much back from me. And sometimes she's in a season where she doesn't have much to give and I'm like committed and committed and committed and committed and I'm just, and sometimes just like, come on, like, don't you have anything to return for me? We do it to our kids, Right? I'm pouring out, I'm pouring out, I'm pouring out. Jeez, the least you can do is say thank you, come on, right? Like, no, I poured out so much. How can you fail in this area of life? You need to succeed so I can feel good about myself. <laughs> we're trying to find, we're trying to be filled up. My kids are not failures, they're wonderful people and they succeed at everything, okay. Um, uh, but if we're trying to find the fullness of life through the people that we're supposed to be committed to, that's kind of a lame commitment. 
We talked about this a while back in our series on faith and love, that, that love is a gift, not an investment. The way Jesus taught us to love, it's a gift, not an investment. I don't invest my love. I might invest some time and invest money, and I might invest some resources, but I don't invest love. I give love. When I'm committed to someone, and I'm committed to something, my wife and my kids, it, that, that's a commitment of love. I just give. I can't expect something to get, come back. Well, then you go into to your workplace. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, Jesus says, work hardly as unto the Lord, so I'm going to give it everything I've got, but, but my boss doesn't affirm me. But, but, but my workplace is not a, a scenario that, that, is, that is life-giving. And then I, and I go to my friends. My friends are going through some stuff. They don't have anything left for me me and what happens I feel like I'm pouring out and I'm pouring out and I'm pouring out and I'm pouring out and I'm committed in all these places but I'm running dry and Jesus says I've come to give you life and you have it to the fullest you're like I don't feel it right Jesus says come to all who are weary and I'll give you rest I'm not restful right Jesus says you'll never be thirsty but man I'm thirsty so what's wrong? Okay, before we, before we, we come to the answer, I just, I just want to address something right here because this is a, a way of thinking that, that a lot of us slip into, whether it's intentional, we say those words out loud, or it's, or it's subconscious, is that we get really, really frustrated with God when I'm doing all my commitments right, but I'm still feeling empty. And then we say, God, you said. But what if when God makes promises to us and we're not feeling the benefit of that promise, what if it's not because he did something wrong, but we're not living it right? Could it be the problem's on our end, not on his? I'll give you one practical example. Here's something I've been, I've been thinking um, and I've been kind of just reminding myself and just my spiritual growth is that, you know, one of the things that I've heard a lot more recently, like, man, a pastor's burden, you hear this from time, a pastor's burden is a heavy burden to carry. Okay, uh, yeah. Um, but when I read Matthew, the words of Jesus in Matthew 11, he says, come to me all who are, who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I'll give you rest. And he goes on to say, um, take my yoke upon you. What's a yoke? It's, a, it's an instrument for doing work. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. And then he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So if I'm carrying a heavy pastoral burden, I'm not living the life the way Jesus told me to live it. It's not on me. I mean, it's not on him, it's on me. If, if I'm carrying things that aren't mine to carry, I can't point fingers at God and say, why did you give it to me? Because he didn't. I have to trust his word, right? His word says he gives us, not just pastors, each of us, a, a, a work that is light and burden that is, that is easy. Or the other way around. Be good picture. And so either I have to go, all right, something's off in life. The way that I'm living, the way that I'm approaching it, the way that, 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 that I'm engaging the Lord, and if, if I'm feeling this chronic heaviness, then I have to come to the Lord and say, God, show me. Not like, but just like, God, I don't, I, I, show me what I'm carrying that's not mine to carry. Show me what I'm, where I'm missing. And so, so from, with that perspective, I want us to look at, look at this because this whole commitment thing, especially as we get into New Year and we're trying to make a thousand commitments, okay? Um, 
I want us to just step back for a minute. Like, how do we commit to things that are going to be life-giving so that we can do the things that God has called us to do? Um, God is so awesome, isn't he? Like, in our Bible reading, I already knew, like, the topic I wanted to speak on, but I didn't have the message all set. And then we're reading through, through John, and then just God brought some things that are so rich through the Bible reading this week that I wanted to share with you. And here's some things that, that I took away. Um, John chapter 4, okay? You're going to turn to John fa- chapter 4. I'm gonna, it's, a, it's kind of a, a long story, or at least a long reading. I'm, I'm just going to summarize it. So Jesus is traveling with his disciples, with his 12 there, and they come um, just outside of a town, um, a, Samaria, a Samaritan town there, and, and, and they're sitting by a well. They stop at a well, and, and disciples are like, hey, we're hungry. Let's go get something to eat. Jesus, you come? And he's like, no, I'm just going to rest here. So as soon as they leave, this woman comes out, and middle of the day, and, and she comes out, and and Jesus asks her for a drink of water. Hey, you, you've got a, a, a jar there. You got something to get water out of this well. Will you get me a drink of water? And, and she's like, hey, like, here's the deal. Like, Samaritans were looked down on by Jews. It's a real ugly, gross, cultural superiority thing. Men were, were looked at as superior to women. And, and so there's this woman who just had a very, very low self-value. Um, she comes, and this, this, this Jewish man and teacher apparently asks her for a drink of water. She's like, why are you talking to me, a Samaritan woman? And he says, if you knew who I was, I'm paraphrasing here, you'd ask me for a drink because the water that I give is living water. And she's like, okay, sure, yeah, give me some living water. And he's like, go get your husband, and, and I'll tell you about this living water. She's like, I don't have a husband. And he says, you're right. I've never met you, but I know this about you. You've had five husbands. The man you're living with now, you're not married to. And just like, she just like blew her mind. Like, wow, in the world did you know that? Like, so obviously she knows there's something going on. And this is what Jesus says about this, little, this living water. Jesus answers, he says, very truly, I tell you. Uh, whoops, I am in six, not four. All right, here we go. Everyone who drinks this water in the well will be thirsty again. John 4, 13. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So it's like, you're going to drink water, but I have something to offer you that doesn't just quench the dryness in your mouth, in your, in your physical body, I have, I have some, something to offer that will quench the dryness of your soul. That will bring, breathe life into your spirit. And man, Jesus reveals to her that she's the Messiah and she gets all excited and, and, and then she runs off to go tell everybody she knows back in town. Well, right as she runs off, the disciples come back. And the disciples saw, thought it was weird that he's talking with her, like her, come on. They didn't say anything about it. They knew better. And, uh, but they're like, hey, Jesus, we got some food. Uh, hey, you want something to eat? And he says, I've got food that you don't know, you, you didn't know anything about. Like, where did you, you get food? Like, where did that come from? And this is what Jesus says. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. And then he goes on and he talks about the harvest and the, the classic uh, illustration that we hear a lot when we talk about missions and, and, and reaching out to people. He's like, the harvest is ready. And that my food comes when the harvest comes in. 
right? My food is to do the will of him who sent me, and the, the will of him who sent me is that all would come to me. Okay? So then they go on, and, and the story shifts. And, and I'd seen this before, but what I found was interesting is, is a couple chapters later, John starts to tell the story of, you, many of you know it, the feeding of the 5,000. And the feeding of the 5,000 happens, and all the people are fed five loaves and two fish, and everybody is like wowed by the whole thing. That night, Jesus walks on water. It was like a day of miracles, okay? The next day, Jesus shows up, and the crowd's like, hey, give us some more miracles. And Jesus is like, no, it's not about the miracles. It's about me, and this is what he says. And it just caught me this week as I was reading through John that there's some language very similar to John chapter 4. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Now, this is interesting to me. Never be thirsty. And then, do you know what? Do you notice that hunger is different? It didn't say never be hungry. What did it say? Never. Let me catch it. Go hungry. See, my, my kids get hungry sometimes, but my kids are never going to go hungry, right? There's a difference. You can be hungry, but not go hungry. There's a difference. Jesus says, you'll never be thirsty. You'll never go hungry. What's interesting to me is, is, is the ties. I want to take a little bit and, and look at this thirst and hunger. See, Jesus meets this woman at the well, this woman who's had a hard past. She's had a hard life. Her, 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 she's spiritually dried up. There's, there's just a, there's no life in her. She seems a little bit jaded and insecure, this, this spiritually dried up woman. And Jesus says, listen, I have something to give you and you'll never be thirsty. That's interesting. Never be thirsty. Have you ever noticed something? Thirst and hunger are different. I mean, there, there's some crossover. There's different. I brought my water bottle up here because, because I try to have my water bottle on me all the time. I don't have it on me all the time, but I, I try to keep it near often because I know that drinking water is good for you. Did you know that? Okay, we knew that. We knew that. Um, drinking water is good for you. Anybody drink the amount of water that is recommended for you on a daily basis. Anybody? Okay, there's, there's a handful of people. Uh, and some of you are like, it's like two glasses of water, right? That's, is, that, is that my daily, like, right? I do that. I, I, do, I drink two glasses of water, right? Um, here's the thing about thirst. Like the moment you feel thirsty, thirst is actually a sign that you're already starting to dehydrate, right? So so really, in, in a perfect scenario, in perfect health, you should be taking in water on a regular basis, and as you take in water on a regular basis, you'll never be thirsty, right? Because thirst is actually a sign, like thirst isn't like, oh, I need to store up some extra water. No, thirst means I'm already dried out. And here's the deal. Some of you, some of you raised your hands, and some of you felt like you're supposed to raise your hand, so you raised your hand and you lied in church, and that's all right. I'm not holding it against you. There's no condemnation for those in Christ, okay? But then there's, I'm not even going to ask for a raise of hands who drink so little that they're, they can't remember the last time their lips weren't chapped, okay? See, that's a sign of dehydration. Some of you have dry skin. There's a lot of things that associate to it, but if you drink, you know, three ounces of water a day and have dry skin, and then you're trying to lather up with lotions all day, I've got a better solution for you. Drink water, right? See, see, we water hydrates us, and it, it and, and it it keeps us refreshed, and it gives us life. But the thing about it is, the moment we're thirsty is the moment that we can already understand that that we're we're already partially dehydrated. 
Some of us just live with it or just normal. Like I just, you know, I use chapstick all the time and lotion all the time. I'm good to go. I don't need water. But we're missing out on some of the life that's available to us. All of a sudden, everybody on the front row is drinking water. Awesome. Okay. Um, but we drink all the time and we stay hydrated. Stay hydrated. You know, and I, and I was thinking about this. Like Jesus knew this. Jesus created, <laughs> God created our, our cravings and our needs for thirst and our, for water and food and all these kinds of things. And I love the word picture that he gives us. That thirst, the, the, the time with Jesus in him, knowing him, believing in him, this is like water to our souls. And he says, if you do this, the way I intend you to do this is not just I will satisfy your thirst, but you will never be thirsty. This is a promise from Scripture. You ever feel dry? I'm not talking about dry hands. I could actually use some lotion right now. I'm talking about spiritually dry. You've worked and you've committed and you're faithful and you're doing it and you're serving in church and you're loving your family and you're, you're taking care of other people and you're going, you're going and going, but all the going you still feel dry. There, 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 there's not the life that you sense that there ought to be and there's something wrong and not feeling dry. Jesus says there is an actual way to live your Christian life where you don't ever have to be thirsty. That's, that sounds good, doesn't it? There's a way to, 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 to live our Christian lives in a way where we feel spiritually replenished. Now, we can be hurt, and we can, be, we can, we can have, have seasons of not understanding, and we can go through loss, and we've got to process all of that. But there is a way to even endure some of those things with the life of Christ fresh within us. This is what he says. He didn't say, I will quench their thirst whenever they're thirsty. Twice, in John 4 and in John 6, he said, they will never be thirsty. I want that. Anybody else? I want that. Here's the, you know the phrase, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink? I wonder how many Christians there are who are dried, shriveled up horses hanging out by the river's edge. We've learned church. And we're right there. But are we drinking? Jesus says, I got life. Right? John 10, 10. We love it. We love it around here. We talk about it all the time. I have come that you have life and have it to the fullest. you got to drink. So what do I mean by drink? You know, Jesus says anyone who believes in me. I believe in him. I think we have different definitions of believe in him. Again, if, if I'm just going to go like assuming, assuming I'm in the air, if I say I believe in him and I'm still dry, then I'm, probably my understanding is skewed, right? Not, not, not Jesus's. Jesus says, if you believe in me, what does that, what does that even mean? believe in me, that I believe that he was a real person. I believe that even he's the son of God, that I have warm feelings about Jesus. Is that what that means? Listen, do you believe in Jesus? Let me ask, let me, let me, 
let me ask that a little more detailed. Do you believe that, that, that you that you're a sick, messed up, self-absorbed, selfish, indulgent human being who has the hardest time thinking of anybody but themselves? Oh, no, I can. I'll think of other people. But you know what? I'll just be honest. The first person I'm thinking about when I wake up in the morning is me, and the last person I'm thinking about before I go to sleep at night is also me. It's a curse. I'm broken, guys. I'm so broken. Forget all the gross sin and the, 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 the thoughts and the words and the actions that I've done that are sinful. Like, I'm messed up. Because of just my selfishness, alone, because of my pride alone, I, I am absolutely disqualified. And not because God's mean and angry, but like he's so holy that we can't even begin to wrap our brains around who he is. Friends, you and I all deserve hell. But, 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 but God, like get this, so God's justice is so real that, that that sin must be dealt with. My arrogance must be dealt with. And the only appropriate way to deal with it is separation from God. And so God in his wrath poured out on mankind. We've got to, there's a price to pay. But at the exact same time, our God who loves us, the messed up, self-absorbed, like sinner like me, he loves us so much that he, I can't even picture this. He gave his child to be murdered so that I could be adopted. It makes no sense. And not only do I have salvation, he did it all. Not like salvation is one thing, like just getting saved and getting thrown in a pile of people over there. Like, hey, God, thanks. No, no, no. He did it so that he, I could be in his family. He did it so that, that he and I could have relationships and we could like talk every day so that he could tell me what he's thinking and so that, 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 that I could be a part of his life and him mine. That's what he did it for. Do you believe in that, Jesus? Jesus says, if you believe in me, how do we, this goes back to last week, we're followers of Jesus. How do, how, how do we say we're followers of Jesus? How do we say we're believers in Jesus if we don't spend time with Jesus? It just it doesn't seem like it makes much sense. And so Jesus' definition of anyone who believes in me, I think is a little bit different than our, than our 2022 American Christian definition of believing in Jesus. Because I know a lot of people, by that definition, who believe in Jesus and are spiritually as dry as can be. Listen, this isn't, this isn't supposed to bring shame or condemnation. Like, I, I, I don't want to bash people, but also I, I like to be a realist. And if this is what the Word says, I want to figure out why it's not working. And I think part of it is because we, we miss the fact that there is a God who loves us, who's invited us into relationship, and is just waiting to meet with you. And he says, like, if you do, not like he's trying to buy you off or something, but if you do, there's the richest, fullest, most refreshing, life-giving life that you've ever known, like, on the other side of it. Like, as rich as can be. You'll never be thirsty. You'll never be dry, or you'll never be dry again. There's so much life here. I've come that you would have life and have it to the fullest. Jesus, you don't have to be thirsty anymore. Anyone who believes in me doesn't have to be thirsty anymore. So have you given yourself to that 
relationship. Thirst. Some of us are hurting. Some of us are dry. God said, you don't have to be thirsty in me. Isn't that a good promise? Isn't that a good promise? So here's the other one. Here's the other thing. Then he says, talks about hunger, but he talks about hunger differently. So he, it's not just like an a, a interchangeable metaphor, like thirst and, and hunger. He uses it different, right? He talks to the woman of the well, and he says, you, you don't ever have to be thirsty anymore. In me, in relationship with me, in time with me, it, it's, there's this, this, this river of life that's going to bubble up inside of you, and you'll know the fullness and the life of Jesus. It's unbelievable. Hey, in me, this is where it is. But then he says something different about when he talks about food. He says, my food, what do you say, is to do the will of him who sent me. Here's something interesting. That um, studies have shown that the most dissatisfied demographic, if you will, within uh, most churches is those who are in the like, spiritually seasoned, mature area. Seems interesting, right? And, and what's, what's also interesting to me is, is the... Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. I'm not going to un- un- uncover all of that, but there are a lot of reasons for that. I want to touch on one of them. It's also interesting to me that m- the large majority of people who leave one church, like you're in a city and just leave one church to go to another city, a large reason that is given um, is because, uh, you know, it just were- wasn't getting meat on Sunday morning or some variation of that comment. I just wasn't getting, listen, I'm not picking on anybody. I'm not pointing any fingers. I, I've not heard that here recently. That's not what I'm talking about. But it's just common. It's just it's everywhere you go. Uh, you talk to pastors, why people leave? Ah, oh, because they're just, they're just not giving, oh, the messages just aren't like connected. Oh, they're just not early, whatever. And, and we're like, we're looking for meat. Okay, now let me just, let me just, let me just, uh, I said, well, we're the church. We love to talk about, we're the church. The church is people. But then we leave the people because the meal once a week wasn't to our liking we got to get our definitions at least in sync, right? Consistent. Now, now let's, let, let's look at another angle. Um, and maybe some of you are like, oh, yeah, that, that was the reason I give. There, one of the reasons is because is it's an easy one to give. Um, but the other one is because I think we're looking for the wrong thing. Like, if, if, if you just imagine what would happen if you only ate physically, f- physical food. We're talking about real food, diet stuff. If you only ate somewhere, depends on what your, your preacher preaches between 20 and 60 minutes one time once a week what kind of physical health would you have some of you'd be like i'd lose so much weight it'd be wonderful okay yeah you would for a little while (laughs) and then you'd keep losing weight and you'd have no energy Uh, you'd have no strength you'd be lethargic you would not be healthy now, what if you ate that one meal, 20 to 60 minutes, you, all the food you could in you, and then you ate, and then you were feeling lethargic, and you were feeling no energy, and you had no strength, and then you're like, I'm out of here. I, I'm not healthy because of this meal. Well, that's silly, right? If those of us are seasoned believers, we ought to be eating all week long, shouldn't we? Now, here's the other thing, and here's the last thing, and the most significant thing. That was kind of a side thing. Because that definition, you know, not every metaphor can be used in every metaphor in the Bible. For instance, like not every metaphor about a farmer is interchangeable. Don't mix metaphors, okay? Don't mix parables, okay? Paul talks about milk and meat, right? Like, hey, I wish you were on the meat, but you're just on the basic elemental truths. He's talking about teaching. He's talking about theology. He's talking about doctrine. 
Jesus is not talking about teaching and theology and doctrine. Jesus is talking about the cravings of our soul that he designed in us to long for meaningful, uh, life-giving fulfillment. And can I tell you what? A sermon series on the book of Revelation is not going to get that for you. A Bible study on, on, on the practical uses of the gifts of the Holy Spirit today is not going to accomplish that for you. What did Jesus say his food was? To do the will of him who sent me. If we're hungry, go find somebody who needs Jesus and spend time with them and watch that craving be satisfied. I'll tell you what, I have the greatest job on the planet. I love what I do. I love being a pastor. Um, but you know what? We're in a, in a season of the church right now. There's a lot of new things coming up, which means there's a lot of planning. I enjoy meetings. I enjoy planning. And, and I can do that all day long. But you I'll tell you what, there is nothing like, whether it's planned or an uninterrupted uh, interaction with somebody, where I get to, to talk about Jesus in a way that they receive it and a light bulb goes on in their head or in their mind. Like, like it can be a short interaction or a whole day thing. And I'm like, I made a difference here. And I'm just like, I could just take the rest of the week off because this was worth my time. And there is something inside of me that it just, it's full. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm ready to go take the world. Why? Because God has put in you certain spiritual cravings for real sustenance. That sustenance doesn't come by way of teaching. Don't diminish teaching. I'm doing it right now. We're all sitting in it. But this is not going to fulfill those cravings of your heart until we get after what God purposed you to do. So here's the question. Hungry? Why wait? Some philosopher, I think, said that one time. Um, wow, you guys don't watch commercials, do you? All right, either that or it's just a real bad joke. All right. Here's the real deal. Like, some of us, and, and, and it's a common thing in the Christian life, in, in, in the church life, is, is, is we, we get used to our pattern of Christian living, and then we think we just need more of the same to satisfy the desires that aren't being satisfied. Truth of the matter is, until we get to work, you will always be hungry. And hunger's a little bit different, too. Hunger's different. Like water, you can drink all day long. I, I, I'm already probably a little dehydrated. Talking a little bit too much this morning. Um, you can drink all day long. You don't want to eat all day long. Just a general rule of thumb, right? Uh, and I'm a snacker. I could, I could eat like one meal every other day and snack the rest of it and be fine. I'd, be, I'd love that. But what I would end up doing is snacking all of the rest of it and then just gaining crazy tons of weight, right? You can't eat all the time. Your, your hunger comes in, in cycles, Right? And, and, and so does our work. You know, the, the, the tendency in our physical bodies is to either overeat or undereat, right? Some of us overeat, that much more of us are on that side of things. We overeat or we go so far the other way and you have eating disorder issues that go along with that other side of it, or really, I guess, on both sides. But it's hard to manage that. Well, that's what it's like. That's what the, the, the Christian life is like as well. Like God has put these cravings for something of sustenance in us. That sustenance is not more we need to take in. That sustenance, that eating, the food is doing the work that God has put in front of you. 
So maybe that's with somebody that doesn't know the Lord and you're investing in somebody's life and just kind of moving them in conversation by conversation and act of love and by act of love, by, by showing up for them, by showing uh, time after time that you're beginning to move them towards that relationship with Jesus. Or maybe it's somebody who's already a believer, but you're, you're helping them take those, those, next, those next steps in, in their life with Christ. Friends, they're, 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 I'm telling you, that hunger, that desire, that I need something more is gonna be filled in those interactions, but it doesn't happen with events. We, the church, tend, tend to love events. Let me go, like, I, and we do, like we did like the city mission. We went and we served. It was wonderful. My appetite was fulfilled. We got to serve the least of these, as, as Jesus said. And, and I hate to even use it that way, but that, those are the words Jesus said. We get to serve people that we don't interact with on a daily basis. We get to serve people who have need. Oh, I feel full. But guess what? That hunger is going to come back tomorrow. So are we, are, are we committed to eating of the food that God has put in front of us. Listen, you find a need, go meet it. You find a need, go, and sometimes we think, oh, just another need, it's just gonna drain me some more. But if we can do it from a place of saying, God, I wanna, I wanna follow you, I wanna build your kingdom, I wanna do what you're about right now, friends, it is more fulfilling than anything else you could possibly do. So, what does this have to do with our commitments? Here's the deal. Our commitments are, tend to be the things that distract us, our, our, our earthly commitments, our, even, even the good ones. Being a husband and being a father and being a pastor and being an employee and being a leader and being a friend, all those really, really good commitments that I have are often the things that stand in the way for me to commit to the things that really matter. Because as good and amazing as my wife is, and as amazing as my children are, and my friends are, and, and, and you all, as, as, as the church, and, and, and the elder board that I serve, is, is, and my friend, as amazing as those people are, I've called to love, to make a commitment of love towards, which means sometimes I'm going to get a return on that, sometimes I won't, but that's, that's not the issue. The question is, am I drinking regularly from the Spirit of God, and, and am I feeding regularly on the works that he has for me to do, that in Christ alone, we talk about this, we, we talk about this, but, it, but it's a real thing, that every need that I have, those deep soul longings that I have are genuinely fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. See, many of us, we, we talk like that, we'll declare that, but if you were to really peel back your heart, you'd realize there is so much thirst. There is so, hung, so much hunger. That you're standing by the shore. So let me ask you this question. If you're gonna be fully committed to anything, It's to drink and to eat what Christ provides. So, moving from the philosophical to the like the practical, you have to you have to create time to spend with Jesus. This is great. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you're here. You can't just eat once a week. You wonder why you're dry. Why well, there's that lack of life. 
Reading your Bible three times a week is not going to get it done. You have to meet with Jesus. Reading the My Jesus Calling or My Utmost for His Highest or whatever your devotional of choice, whatever your you version thing you're reading, that's great and that's good contact content. But until you stop, you step away from kind of life as its own. You say, God, I give everything and everything and everyone to you. Right now it's just about you and me. God, what do you have for me? See, friends, this is what it's about. Coming to that place where it's not tasks for God, but it's time with God. You're like, God, I just, I need you. God, I'm tired. God, it's been a little while. Maybe I didn't spend any time with you, and and I'm, I'm thirsty. God, would you refresh my soul? It's practice if you're not used to this. Now, there's, there's, there's a lot of people who do that part man, I'm, I'm, I'm drinking deep of the Lord, but there's still this, like, this gut feeling of dissatisfaction. There's still this gut craving of something that is not right, and it's not quite scratching the itch, and, it's, and there's still this craving for something meaningful, and I don't understand it. It's time to eat. Some of you might go, I'm serving in the church. That's not what I'm talking about. Sometimes we can serve from this pure commitment form with zero heart. Listen, God's not into your actions. He does, yeah, that it matters, but he's into your heart. Maybe you serve, but you're just going through the motions. Maybe you're a greeter. Hey, I'm doing the greeter thing, right? But but this is what I'm going to invite you into. God has food for you, real work to do. Not that holding the door is not work, but like you're going to engage with people. Are you doing the work before you with the heart of God? As you're greeting on a Sunday morning, are you going like, I mean, I just want to bless every single person in there with a smile to let them know that God loves them. There's a difference in the way that we do our work. We can do our work for God or we can do our work with God. And when we do it with God, there is a rich satisfaction, a deep, meaningful sustenance that gives energy and strength to our lives. And it doesn't have to be church volunteering, right? Obviously. When you go to work, look for those, the food, the low-hanging fruit that God has put in front of you. Take a bite. Engage in kingdom work. Maybe you've got the capacity. Man, call City Impact. They need mentors. I met with a guy who runs an organization called Atlas. They're mentoring adults, a lot of which have have, uh, some alcohol or, or, or mental issues. Volunteer your time. Pour into other people. God, guys, the, the, the city mission needs people. Pregnancy center. I mean, we could just go on and on and on about people. Like there's opportunities to, to eat <laughs> and find that rich satisfaction for our soul. And again, if, again, not trying to be condemning, just like, let's just call it like it is. Here, here's the bottom line. If we don't have time to commit to drinking deep of, of what Christ has to offer, and we don't have time to, to, to eat of the food that God has put in front of you, then you don't have a time to be a Christian. 
This is what it, this is, what it is. This is. The life, this is the life of Jesus. You don't have time to follow Jesus is what, what that is. So here's what I'm saying with those commitments. A lot of them don't necessarily need to change. They just need to change priority. Sometimes it's not that we that we're committed to the wrong or the wrong things. We're just not necessarily fully committed to the right things. Because when I commit to spending time with Jesus on a daily basis, I'm a better husband and dad and pastor and leader and friend. When I spend time to, to look at meeting people's needs and building the kingdom of God and not just going through the requirements of my commitments, I'm a better husband and dad and pastor and leader and friend. If I don't have time, if I'm too overcommitted, if I don't have time to drink the living water, if I don't have time to take the food that God has put in front of us, in front of me, I don't have time to be a follower of Jesus. And I want to be fully committed to what matters. We're going to be followers of Jesus. We're not just going to be like part-time followers of Jesus. We're not going to be sideline followers of Jesus. We're going to be ones to say, God, I want to drink deeply of the refreshing water of your spirit. I want to take in and consume the work that you have in front of me. Let's be all in. God, we praise you and we thank you. You are a God who knows the desires of our hearts. You know the condition of our soul. You you see the struggle that we have. Lord, I pray that this year, this this calendar year, 2022, would be a time that we, your church, would just recalibrate our commitments. Lord, there's some of us, we need to let things go that are standing in way of the most important things. We need to let things go of of ways of doing and and, and schedule things and financial things and maybe even relational things. We've got to let some things go, God, so that we can fully commit to what you have called us to, being in relationship with you. God, we don't want to be followers of Jesus in name only. We want our lives to resemble you. So, Father, here we are, fully committed followers of Jesus. We praise your name. We praise your name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Crossroads Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Crossroads, please visit lincolncrossroads.com.